ninth episode of Ahlan with Sahlan in the Alphuzaic podcast mini-series. Uh, you're here with our content writer, Rob English. He's a very good friend of mine. He and I met on study abroad in Jordan. Uh, he's actually written Jordan 101 and recommended Waltz with Bashir, Lawrence of Arabia, Men in the Sun. And he's also developed the uh, Middle East-North African conflict map and written about Blue Homeland. So as one of our very first content writers, Rob really has done a lot of projects for us. You can see all of his stuff up online now at the El Fusaic website. Uh, but first, I just want Rob, chat a little bit about yourself. Tell us about how you found El Fusaic. Uh, thank you, Megan. Uh, it's great to talk to you guys. You and I met in Jordan on the Aim at East Study Abroad program back in the fall of 2016. And uh, from there, we, we stayed in touch and we were both, you know, we were all living in D.C. and looking for jobs and uh, trying to figure out the young professional life. And um, that was when you and Ben started talking about starting El Pasaic and uh, it sounded really great and interesting and I just wanted to get involved and being a content writer seemed like a great way to do it. And we're so happy that you did. <laughs> you have been such a prolific writer and have engaged on so many different dimensions. And again, you are our third content writer, if you consider Megan and I number one and two. <laughs> so thank you so much for, for being part of our community. Um, speaking of, our writers and work now at 50 plus um, have come from all over the world, you know, geographically, culturally, educationally, but all with the same shared value of sharing and engaging in Middle East cultural resources and, and having that be available to all. Um, can you talk a little bit about more so, I know you mentioned Jordan and meeting Megan, but even more about your experience with the MENA region and the mosaic of journeys that you've had in your experience there? Yeah, totally. So uh, the first time I went to the region was uh, back in the summer of 2010. Uh, I was in high school. I was actually applying for a State Department program called NISLI for youth. I'm sure many people will be familiar with. It's a summer uh, intensive Arabic program. Um, they used to go to a variety of countries, including Egypt, and I didn't get it. So I found another program called the American Field Service and ended up going with them instead and lived in Port Said, Egypt for the summer. I made a lot of friends, stayed with the host family, and I was just trying to kind of, ever since I came back from that in high school, when I went on to college, I just kind of kept trying to replicate that experience in a, in a longer form. So I was bugging the study abroad office quite a bit about, oh, hey, when are you guys going to reopen your Egypt program? Because this was after the Arab Spring, and a lot of the programs got shut down, and it just wasn't happening. So I was able to find some other programs like uh, CLS Morocco to go on, and uh, where I lived in Meknes, and then finally going to Jordan on first Amid East, and then uh, Middlebury's program at the University of Jordan for the spring term. So that, that all kind of came out of that one first trip that I took to Egypt that first summer, just because I was I was just interested and it seemed like a really great opportunity to learn more. Yeah, my my interest in the Middle East came from kind of initially sort of a, just a broad curiosity. But as I was getting more into it and wanting to learn another language, at the same time, my dad also does a lot of work with Palestinian theater groups in the West Bank. And so at, at the same time that I was in Egypt, he was actually just kicking off his work in the West Bank, which he'd be going back to a number of times. So I've been able to kind of go back with him and kind of tag along a few times and see that side of the coin as well and looking at the theater projects and performances by Palestinian theater companies. Um, so that was that was a really great experience that I've been able to to kind of have a little bit of a window into on a few on a few occasions. 
So Rob, as I mentioned in the very beginning of the episode, I mean, you have written so many wonderful recommendations and with your conflict map in Blue Homeland, what would you say uh, is your, what would you say you're most curious about from the Minaswana region and why? I mean, I we've had this conversation and uh, Ben and I have talked about our, you know, very different experiences and backgrounds and our motives for coming and studying this region. What are some of the things that you're researching right now? Uh, and what do you think you want to work on in the future? Well, so my, my long-term professional interests in general are, are in the security realm, but those kinds of issues around whether it's policing or physical security or military issues, none of that happens in a vacuum, right? So I would say that my biggest interest is looking at all kind of the adjacent areas of influence that that influence security issues for better or worse. And so, for example, in Jordan, that kind of looks a lot like looking at things like how the political structure works, how the clan system works to influence criminal justice and elections, and how people perceive the legitimacy of state institutions as opposed to non-state actors such as clans or foreign nonprofits and such. All those that kind of web and network of different overlapping actors that all influence each other at different points to create the current situation that everyone's kind of living through. And so just kind of examining how all those different factors play into each other, I think. And so that's why, uh, you know, I sent out the uh, the Blue Homeland Doctrine from Turkey as one example of looking at it more from the military perspective. I'm working right now on a piece for Alphosaic, looking at the clan system in Jordan and looking at how that influences uh, elections and law enforcement and the judicial system. So I would say it's really, uh, for me, just about looking at how all those things play into each other. Incredible. No, I'm so grateful to all of your, your writing. And, you know, as a, as a really first content writer that we've engaged with, um, you've been such a great model for all of the content writers to come about the different types of articles you can focus on and the different ways to engage. So really, so thank you. Uh, you know, you were one of the reasons why Alphazaic has been so widely viewed because of all the great writings that you've done. So I'm so appreciative, um, as is Megan. Um, so speaking of the content writing process specifically, we really love to push our writers to try a whole bunch of different things. I, I know you're very familiar with the political dimensions of the region, <laughs> as evidenced by the two articles you've done and the one that you're writing on now. But we're just curious on, and you know, for our listeners as well, what have you found most enjoyable and challenging, um, enjoyable or challenging, or even and, happy to hear both perspectives about the entire experience of being a writer? Uh, definitely on the challenging front, the fact that, that you, you guys are, are pushing us to do different mediums. I mean, uh, for example, the conflict map that I was able to put up, that was a very new experience. There's a lot of trial and error with that, trying to get it right, going back and forth, Megan, on where things should go and what kind of uh, layout it should have and orientation and things like that. And at different points, I was even trying to work on it on my phone while I was at work to try to get things right and make sure that it was angled properly. So that definitely was a big challenge just because I'm not accustomed to using that many other mediums other than writing. There hasn't really been a need need for it in the past. So that's been a really fun challenge to kind of explore. And for the next projects down the road, I definitely want to try to get a little bit more creative again with what kind of things I'm putting up for you guys. That's what a lot of our content writers say. And we're so, so glad that we actually get to push them in such a way. I think that one of the wonderful things about El Fusaic is that Obviously, we show up for our volunteers and they as just as much as they show up for us. And being able to challenge you guys, I think that 
We've talked to so many writers like Deja and Halana just talking about the trial and error of figuring out, you know, particular software and video and calligraphy or how to make a podcast and how to how to interview musicians and kind of have that audio sound quality go well. It's so complicated, uh, but it's so important, particularly as we go into a new age where different types of mediums are so, so valued. So, I mean, on the on the topic of challenges, and I'm going to just switch this around a little bit, uh, Rob, obviously you and I were in Jordan together. We've mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but you and I had such different experiences, completely different experiences. And I think that you and I talked about this at length, um, some other people in our program uh, four years ago, actually. Wow, it, that's wild <laughs> to think that we're so old uh, to have studied abroad four years ago. But I think that so many people in our program had different experiences. And even, I mean, we've, we've spoken to Ben at length about this, obviously, off recording. But um, Ben, when you studied abroad, there was just, it was, it was a complicated time, I think, for all of us. And being Westerners and going to the region and wanting to be respectful, that in and of itself is, I don't want to say like a hefty ask in any way, but I, I think that it's difficult. The, the, the cultural bridge is somewhat fraught with terror sometimes. And I think that being able to talk about those experiences and the difference in those experiences is really valuable. So, I mean, Rob, if you want to talk about your, our time in Jordan and all of the crazy things that you got up to and how those even compared to some of your other times abroad, that would be great. Yeah, for sure. I think just kind of to kick off, I guess the uh, the craziest story was when uh, me and a couple of friends from our program, we ended up uh, with a group of street racers out on the middle of the highway one night. And it all happened real fast. And it was a wild time um, and definitely one of the most unique experiences I've ever had. We were literally just walking home and there was a gaggle of Jordanian guys hanging out animated on a street corner that we were used to being empty. So we were kind of just curious about what was going on. And once we started talking to them, we realized that these guys were basically like Amon Fast and Furious, and they invited us to go out with them to a street race at 2 o'clock in the morning in the middle of the highway by the Ikea on the way to the airport um, that you guys, I'm sure, are very familiar with as well. And eventually the police drove by and everybody got scared and went home. But that was definitely a, a probably the most unique experience that, that I've had even from travels anywhere. And I think it was also the kind of thing that was really only the kind of opportunity that was available to us. One, because we were guys, and two, just by sheer luck that it worked out that way. I mean, the hospitality factor, the Middle Eastern hospitality factor was very much at play that night, even in the middle of, you know, activities of questionable legality as that we were <laughs> hanging out with. As we were hanging out with, you know, these guys, with this, uh, enjoying a somewhat questionably legal activity. The whole vibe around Arab hospitality and the importance of making sure that the guests were safe and enjoying their time was very, very much alive still. And uh, that was one of the things that really hit home how important that was for me, hit home how important it is in the Middle East and how well I understood it at that point was from that experience. But also remembering that that kind of opportunity only was going to happen to guys in the program and that it was not going to be safe for uh, women in the program to try to even attempt something like that. It was just beyond being a possibility. Yeah, and I mean, I remember you telling me about that the next day when we were in Jordan, and I was so, so jealous. Oh my goodness. It was a little bit, it wasn't in towards the very end of the program, 
if I remember correctly, it was kind of in the middle. But at that point, I kind of, I had learned a little bit about how uh, I had to act differently. And I remember in the very beginning of our program, our program leaders who were there to help us along the way, and our teachers had conversations with us about how that type of hospitality can go out to men in public, and it goes out to women in private. So being able to be invited into a home and given a meal was very unique to women because women were considered a little bit safer. And Rob, I know you didn't live with a host family while we were in Jordan, but I lived with a host family. And I mean, it was an absolutely wonderful experience. I loved my host. I love my host mom so much. Her cooking was to die for and, and I wake up dreaming about it some days. But I, I do remember, I mean, there was just such a stark difference. And even in the way that our classes went, I think that by the end of the semester, um, it was very noticeable, even how the boys uh, in class were kind of more willing to talk over girls for no reason whatsoever. Um, there was a little bit of contention in terms of if somebody, you know, had a bad experience on a street uh, a lot of people would kind of question how they were acting or what they were wearing. And I think that I think that being able to obviously respectfully come to a culture and have both the culture and us meet each other kind of in the middle of, of respect and understanding. I mean, that's exactly what El Fusaic is all about. Um, and that's why I think that this conversation is so relevant. Uh, but I know, Ben, you also had a very different experience when you were abroad. Yeah, I definitely didn't do any street racing, <laughs> but um, I, I think that the gender differences were pretty stark. I was in Jordan spring of 2016, so just the semester before you. Um, and yeah, I did live with a host family, which was the best way to be engaged. But there was definite opportunities that the men in my program on the more engaged or exciting side just seemed more easy to, to have. And that was really difficult for me to wrestle with because I wanted the great friends on my program of all genders to be able to enjoy all the aspects of Jordanian culture while we were living there. And it became clear that that just wasn't a, a safe um, option for most of the people on the program. I didn't do anything that as crazy um, as Rob, although that does sound super fun. Um, but, you know, there were definite hookah nights or, you know, quick trips to the Dead Sea or things of those nature that um, were, were gendered. And, and I think that was just really fascinating, you know, and, and and a little disheartening, too, because I, I had all these really fun, unique experiences, but I didn't really want to share them with the with the, the female people on my program, because they wouldn't have that same opportunity, although they also had excellent experiences I did not have. So they definitely still had a an enjoyable semester as far as I'm aware. I don't want to speak for them at all. But yeah, that, that was that was a pretty big, I don't want to say shock, but just a pretty big uh, aspect of the culture when I was um, all throughout the Middle East, but specifically living, you know, for five months in Jordan um, was something that I really, really picked up on, um, for sure. Yeah, it, it's interesting to hear this perspective since you both were there at the same time. I, I will reach out to a, a friend uh, from my specific program, which, again, four and a half years ago. It's absolutely crazy how quickly it's flown. Because Jordan was such a formative, the, my five months in Jordan was so incredibly formative for my language proficiency, for my cultural understandings. But I also realized that a lot of that culture... I was able to engage with because I am male. So it, it's just a very fascinating look at, at the, the differences in culture of the region. And, and I really appreciate that we're having this conversation. So, you know, we can sort of dissect it more concretely, but also our listeners can hear and engage with the differences of, of this community and this culture that we spent a lot of time living in. And then one of the things that actually just 
popped into my head that I completely remembered. Uh, Rob and I both did a community-based learning program. Uh, we both served in a volunteership with Tam Keen Fields for AIDS, which is a civil rights and social action organization. We searched for sources of aid uh, and we edited the strategic plan and documents basically requesting aid for organization, major grammar, punctuation, uh, content accuracy, etc. I remember us wasting away a few afternoons in that office. And it was so interesting to be able to, you know, take a bus to a different part of town that we weren't necessarily familiar with um, and just sit in an office with other Jordanians. Um, Rob, if you want to chat a little bit more about that and your experience there. Yeah, I mean, it, it uh, definitely was another unique experience. I remember definitely spending a lot of those afternoons sifting through editing their uh, grant proposals and strategic planning documents and everything like that. Um, it definitely was a lot of insight that we were able to get into the civil rights side of the coin within Jordanian society. And uh, and that's exactly the kind of thing that I was talking about before, about interest in of having you know those different layers that all affect different things. Tying back into my interest in security, you know, if you you can't understand where the sources of a of a security problem, if you don't understand the issues at play with uh, you know, Egyptian migration and the uh, exploitation of Egyptian migrants in Jordanian agriculture or the uh, exploitation of young women coming down from Russia in uh, uh, being abused for sex work in a similar capacity or housemaids being brought from the Philippines and, again, also going through a series of labor abuses and sometimes even being uh, kidnapped and not being able to go home. So all these things play a role together. And so that that experience looking at, at the work that Tim Keen was doing to really advocate for those groups and provide them some sort of legal support was definitely really valuable. And that was actually the first time that I note, or I don't want to say notice, but that was actually the first time that I was introduced to the idea of Filipino women and their role in society. So for those of you who have not met me in person, I am Chinese, but I... I get a little tan sometimes in the summers. Um, so a lot of people mistook me for a migrant worker. And I didn't understand why, because there were lots of times where I noticed that some of my white friends were not being catcalled as much as I was. And I remember other girls in the program having more difficult times than some of the white girls in the program. And I, it, it, came, it kind of got to this point where I thought it was all my fault. I thought it was because I was dressing a certain way or I was acting a little bit too friendly. And it wasn't until our work with Tankeen that I started realizing the intersectionality of all of these very complicated issues uh, and kind of why that culminated in the way that I was being treated on the street. I remember one crazy night where a group of Filipino women and a man drove up it was a very full car and they started shouting at me to get in the car and i i i was just leaving amid east and i just have, had to say you know obviously politely like no thank you i'm i'm fine i don't need a ride kind of thing and after a while they they apologized and they were like we're so sorry we thought you were someone else <laughs> and drove off um definitely one of the scarier moments i think for me just because it was it was very dark and i was walking in the middle of a highway mostly because of the car situation not necessarily because of anything else but i i do think that 
my experience was influenced pretty heavily by by the way that I looked. And I mean, that's going to happen anywhere you go, anywhere in the world. But it was just so fascinating to learn about all of those different conflicts and underlying factors that influence cultures and people's experiences in them. Thank you for sharing, first and foremost, Megan. I, I can only imagine how, how difficult that, that time was for you and, and still how incredibly engaged you are with the region and, and learning more and trying to further engage with it. it it's so incredibly inspiring, honestly. One, just to work alongside you, Alphuzaic is a dream project to focus on, but also to, to see your continual excitement and engagement, since I know that was a very difficult time for you in Jordan. So first and foremost, you know, before we continue with this interview, thank you for, for being so vulnerable and sharing that with our listeners and, and with our community. Um, it, it only makes for a stronger discussion and, and a better understanding of the region. So thank you again for, for sharing. And thank you for noticing. I think I think that having these conversations is just so important. Uh, there's always good. Uh, there's always a little bit of bad. And just kind of being able to, you know, share an experience and say like that that's just the way it was, and and maybe it was a little tough at the time. I think that just being able to kind of pick yourself back up and have that resiliency. Obviously, I'm not saying that everyone should have the same amount of toughness uh, when when dealing with cultural differences. But I think that. Like we said in the beginning, just being open-minded and being respectful and acknowledging that we're all coming from different backgrounds. That's exactly the point of El Fusaic. We're here to establish uh, and be able to advance our own education uh, and cultural advancement. I think that having that respect is just so, so important for learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so this is such an important conversation. Thank you for bringing it up. And for everyone's vulnerability and sharing. I mean, Robin admitted we're doing illegal crime racing in Jordan. So what a what an exciting podcast for our listeners today. Thank you again all for sharing and, and being engaged. As we sort of wrap up, and again, thank you, Rob, for your time and, and Megan for your vulnerability. Um, Rob, specifically for you, um, for those interested in, in the MENA region, you know, as a professional, either here in DC or, or wherever they may be in the world, what's some advice that you would like to share on how to utilize the Middle East and Arabic skills and knowledge that you have for the jobs that people are applying for? I mean, I would definitely say it's, it's, it can be a challenge. I mean, it's one of the biggest things that's most popular is being able to read and interpret uh, social media, for example. So any type of emphasis on, on that skill set, you know, being able to read social media in Arabic or uh, news articles in a sort of open source analysis type of practice, that's a huge hit right now across a variety of career paths, both governmental and non-governmental. Um, so any way to kind of reinforce that skill, which is nice because it's one of the few ones that you can still kind of keep up with, even when you're not living in the region. You can always follow, you know, BBC Arabic or Al Jazeera on your own and kind of keep that skill set fresh for looking at any career fields that might be interested in that. Another way is just to make sure to stay connected. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of not all the time, but intermittently in contact with my friends from the region. Um, from Jordan and Morocco. And so doing what you can to make sure that the uh, personal relationships that you built are still there, that you can still rely on and, and kind of go back to to keep value in. Because it's, at the end of the day, the basis of how we understand the region, first and foremost, is through those personal relationships. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for sharing. It's, it's so wonderful to hear all the incredible engagement that you have with the region and what a difficult but really important conversation we've had today, and I really appreciate everyone's engagement in it. 
As we wrap up, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, wherever you are listening from. And please check out all of Rob's incredible articles, and even more so, on our website at alfusaic.net. That's A-L-F-U-S-A-I-C dot N-E-T. Have a great day, everyone.